Hey everyone, hope you're enjoying the holiday season. We should be in the thick of it right now. Hope you're done with your Christmas shopping, or if you're like me, you probably haven't even started. But it's all good, it's all good. We're, we'll come through at the last minute, you know. Um, he laughs the loudest who laughs the last, or something like that. But uh, I don't stress until the day before Christmas, and then I start to panic. But somehow every year it still gets done. And, and anyway, we don't want to talk about gifts today, because that, that just might break me into hives. But what we do want to do is, is do what we usually do on Tuesdays, which is to open God's Word and pick a topic. And right now we're in a series I've called the uh, One Big Idea Series. And I, I think I'm going to come to the end of this series in the next couple of weeks. Today I want to talk about culture and uh, in a couple of weeks I want to talk about holidays. <laughs> and so we'll be at the tail end of the holidays but I think it'll still fit and then we'll be done. I don't know what I'll do in the new year but it'll be a new uh, topic. Uh, I started this series because I wanted to declutter to really give you like one thought about a topic and uh, and, and just kind of stretch us a bit in, um, in our worldview. And um, I'm sure I've done it better on some weeks than others, but in every week I've given it my best and hope that you're enjoying this series. So on culture, I wrote this uh, sentence down, and I kind of wrote it in a couple of different ways, but but here's the one big idea. Uh, you ready for this? Oh, wait, wait, before I give you the big idea, I just want to say welcome. If you're just tuning in for the first time uh, to these conversations, uh, they're really meant to uh, just... Um, push us a little bit in our thinking. They're not all-inclusive conversations, but they are um, just a way to kind of unpack some some topics. I want to talk about the culture. The culture is basically the world in which you live. And I love the culture. I love the culture in which we live right now. I I can't imagine myself living in any other culture. Truth of it is, I was made for this time and this day. And I don't know if you feel that way. I I would have died if I was born in, you know, before 1900s. I hardly ever wear a dress anymore, really. I'm, I'm not being, just, it's just, life is impractical to me in, in, in before 1900, really before 1950. So I'm grateful for God. He knows us better than we know ourselves. But here's the big idea about culture. All right, ready? Here we go. Surrendering to the culture might help you fit in, but surrendering to God will change your world and redeem your culture. Okay. So here, first, I, I reread the sentence in a minute, but but I, I had started off I, I, with a couple of variations on the theme. So here's another way I I, um, I wrote this: Our God-given goals, our goal, should not be to be so well adjusted into the culture that it changes us and that we fit in, but for us to change the culture and bring God's truth to it. So our goal should never be to be so well adjusted into our culture. That it ends up changing us. And yeah, we fit in. But but really our goal is for us to change the culture and redeem it by God's love. Here's another way to say it. We were not told by God to fit into the culture, but to reach the culture, to love the culture, to change the culture, to redeem the culture, to impact the culture and the world. When I think about culture, I'm really speaking about people. So, but the way I boiled it down, I'm going to go back and read the original version of this. Surrendering to the culture might help you fit in. But surrendering to God will change your world and redeem your culture. So you got to ask yourself, what is it that you're trying to do in this life? If you're a young man or woman, if you're, I remember being so impressionable. I, you know, it's like, I remember being in junior high and wanting to be picked for the dodgeball team. Now, admittedly, we didn't play dodgeball in Lebanon. It was some other version of, of a game. I don't know, whatever we used to play. But I, I didn't want to be the last to be picked. It was. It felt so, like, I just, I never was... A great athlete. I was never the most popular kid, and so it was always some trepidation that I felt like they're going to choose me or not. And and that tension kind of 
you know, boiled over into junior high and high school. I never was the girl that got asked out on a lot of dates. And so I think I had this insecurity and desire to want to fit in and, and, and be a part of something. And, and I think it just pulled in, you know, kind of rolled over into my young adulthood. And even though I loved Jesus as a young adult and wanted to, to, to live for him and do what he wanted to, me to do, there was a part of me that just wanted to be liked and accepted. And, and I don't know that I would have thought, oh, I want to be worldly. That, that was never my heart's desire. I, I surrendered to Jesus at a young age. But honestly, in my heart was this desire to fit in. And I think there's a time when you have to kind of understand how that, what that looks like. And I'm going to, in a minute, explore what way, in what ways we surrender to the culture. And then I want to talk about how we can surrender to God. And finally, how can we love without judgment or compromise? Because I think we err on one extreme or the other. And so, you know, I remember a time... Um, in fact, you know what, this, this reminded me of it. My friend uh, told me the other day that she was at work and she told her work people how she had seen a guy on the train reading Cosmopolitan magazine. And she, was, she thought, thought it was funny and she told them, and the woman at work said to her, you think that's funny? I saw a guy on the Bible reading, a, a guy on the train reading the Bible. And it reminded me of when I was in medical school and I was invited to a study group and I showed up. I was so excited. They were the two most popular people in the, in the study group, in, in school. I, I thought they were. I mean, I thought they were really cool. And I thought I had reached the zenith of cooldom because I was asked to go to the study group. And when I showed up, I walked in on a conversation where they were basically berating born-again Christians and talking about what losers we were. And I froze. I didn't know what to say. And I, I wanted to be popular and accepted that I just let the moment go and I think I surrendered to the culture in that moment because I wanted to fit in so much. And, and that was the last time I told myself that day. I remember coming home and feeling like, like Peter when he betrayed the Lord. And I, I got on my knees and I was like, Lord, I, I don't ever want to do that again. And, and, and so now I just kind of show up to places and I just tell them right away, I'm a follower of Jesus. Like it comes up within the first 10 minutes of conversation because I just don't want there to be any confusion. And so, so I wanted to unpack this a bit because I think the pressure to want to fit in is real. And I think it's real even in the local church. I think that in our desire to win the culture, we think that somehow we have to fit in. So let me read you First John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17 to remind us kind of God's instruction on this. He says, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Um, now, I want to, you know what, I just meant to look up a verse where he who says, do you guys remember who said, be in the world and not of the world? And we quote it all the time, but now I'm trying to think, where is it? Hang on a second. Hold, hold your horses. Be in the world, but not of it. Verse, um, is it, you know, sometimes you think about things that you've said for so long, you're like, okay, John 17, 16, <laughs> Jesus said it, so <laughs> I was like, wait, maybe we made this up, you ever feel like that, like we get so comfortable with certain phrases, we think, God won't give you more than you can handle, like we think that's a verse, and it's really not, all right, no, Jesus said this, though, John 17, okay, I diverted a bit, I apologize, okay, he says, I have given them your word, he's praying, this is his last prayer, that prayer for us. He says, I've given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. It's funny, when you read Jesus' words, they're sobering, aren't they? I mean, how hard we try to fit into the world and how much we think that if they just liked us, they might like our Savior. And yet Jesus is the one who wrote these words. He says, I've given them your word and the world has hated them. Because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. 
they hated him. Do you, I mean, it's just, I, I'm telling you, right there, I'm convicted. I can stop this lesson. But, 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 but again, I want to drive this point home. Surrendering to the culture might help you fit in, but surrendering to God will change your world and redeem your culture. I want to read you one more verse and give you some thoughts. Romans 12, one of the first verses I ever memorized. I beseech you, therefore, brothers, brethren, my old King James Version, by the mercies of God, that we present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable worship. Now listen to this. Do not be confirmed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now you might say, well, in what ways are we surrendering to the culture? I believe in, in several ways. Uh, here are some examples. We call sin what they call sin. If you notice how we do that now? We no longer call sin what God calls sin. Now we call sin what the world calls sin, which is pretty much nothing. They don't even like the word sin. I went to a church once that talked about sin as habits and hang-ups. Sin is a biblical world. Sin is our condition before salvation. Sin is what separates us from the wrath of from God because he's angry at our sin. We are born in sin. The Bible says that there is no one good, no, not one. And don't say this to shame you, anger you, or belittle you. I say this because it is our deathly problem. It is what is sending us straight to the pit of hell. I do believe in hell, actually. And, and uh and sin is what's separated us from God. We're born in that condition, and our only hope is Jesus. And so, so we are born sinners, but we also sin. These are, you know, we tend to think of sin as the bad things that we do. Well, the bad things that we do are the symptoms of our condition as sinners. Now, when we come to Christ, we're given a new nature, but we still sin because the flesh is in us still. And so, and so, what's happened, I find, is that in our culture, even Christians no longer call what God calls sin sin. They call sin, you know, they kind of have used the definition of the world. And so, a lot of things that we used to call sin, now we no longer call sin. Now we call our nature. Now we call, um, you know, just the way that God made us. You're just an impatient person. You're just, an un, you know, you're you're a bit more abrasive. You're, instead of calling it anger and criticism, you have a critical spirit. We say, well, you're, you're just a perfectionist. You just like things done a certain way. And we excuse sin instead of calling it what it really is. And we do it in more serious topics. Obviously, I think you know what I mean. But uh, we do it all kinds of, I mean, I mean, look, premarital sex. We say, man, you just love one another. How can that be sin? And so that is a cultural you know, perception of, of love, but God's love is pure and covenantal and committed and lasting. And so, all right, so we call sin what they call sin. We call truth what they call truth. And, and, and we've no longer looked to God's word for the truth. In fact, I find even Christians in some so-called churches no longer believe that God's word is, in, they say they think it's inspired, but then they interpret it according to their own desires. And they have, you know, thesis and dissertations on why they think that they're right. And Look, I'm not trying to argue who's right, who's wrong. I don't even have a PhD in theology, but most of the stuff that I read in the Word, it's pretty clear. And I, and I, I just think that we ha- have tried so hard to fit into the culture in 2015 that we no longer call sin what God calls sin, and we no longer call truth what God calls truth. And we have brought our own truth to um, to, to, to the table, and, 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 and really we've bent the, you know, we've, we've landed in a lot of gray zones that really aren't gray zones. So, uh, uh, you know, I'm just going to say that and leave it there. How about this one? We err on the side of love when truth is needed. We err on the side of love when truth is needed. Uh, you know, and I think it's easier to do that, where, you know, I think it takes more boldness, and I'm not talking about taking the truth and banging it on someone's head. That's not effective or Christ-loving or Christ-honoring. But when you skip truth because you want to get light, really you're going for popularity as far as I'm concerned. I I mean, I don't know what other reason you would err on love when truth is needed. There are times when love is needed. I'm not talking about those situations. 
But when the truth of God's word is needed and you're just like, I'm not going to say it because I don't want to hurt their feelings. Now you're not loving them. And so um, how about this? We opt for grace when consequences are necessary. And someone might say, well, but grace is always, you know, obscene and abundant. I believe in grace. Look, I am a product of grace. I'm, I, I can't even, I, mean, I don't even know how to even describe that. I mean, I'm, I'm doing this podcast because of God's grace. I'm alive because of God's grace. Everything in my life is a gift of God's grace. But I have suffered consequences for my sins. And I continue to do so. And I think God's word teaches that. And sometimes we just want to patch things up so smoothly and to hide people's, you know, mistakes so that no consequences are ever felt. We want them to be so comfortable all the stinking time. We put a pillow behind them and ahead of them and left and right. And, and we want the same to be done to us when, when, in fact, we might never change if we don't feel the consequences of our sins. So there are times where it's okay. Parents, sometimes your kids are going to have to face some negative consequences to their sinful behaviors. And that's okay. Now, I mean, look, there's a time for grace. I'm not arguing that. And if you're not sure, err on grace. But sometimes you are sure and still choose grace because you want to protect the one you love. And I'm not sure it's always protective. Okay, here's another way. In what ways are we surrendering to the culture? We tell ourselves that our actions are more important than our words, so we stop speaking completely. I don't know where we get this idea. I mean, the, the book, the Bible, the Word of God is full of people who proclaim the Word of God over and over again. And yes, they had actions of love, but in the Old and in the New Testament, it was about declaring what God has said and saying it boldly and saying it in a time when it was consequential that when they spoke the truth, they suffered for it, they were persecuted, they were put in prison. I mean, this is the reality of God's people and our heritage and the church. And yet we've convinced ourselves that, man, because our actions are more important than our words, and they are important, don't get me wrong, please don't misunderstand me. But we stopped speaking completely. And then lastly, we love what they love. We are no longer bothered by the things that they're bothered, that, by the things that bother God. We are no longer bothered by the things that bother God. See, so how do we know what bothers God? You go back to his word. You elevate his word. So in what ways are we surrendering to the culture? Those are some ways. In what ways, how do we surrender to God? Again, the alternative, we call sin what he calls sin, even when we don't feel bad about it. I think sometimes we convince ourselves that we have to feel guilty in order to confess our sins and repent. But, you know, we're so desensitized anymore. I just don't think some what God would call sin, I don't think it bothers us anymore. And so if you're waiting for your conscience to pierce you, your conscience is numb to sin. And so instead of waiting for the feeling of conviction, why don't you just agree with God? God, this immorality is sin. Watching this stuff is sin. Saying these things, joking about things that are not funny is sin. Call sin what God calls sin. And then we, how do we surrender to God? We speak the truth in love, even when we don't feel like it, even when it's not popular. We tune into God's voice and let his voice not just inform us, but form us. We let God's voice both inform us and form us. And the way to tune into God's voice is like opening his word and reading it, doing what Romans 12, 1 and 2 does. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. The way to do it is to fill your mind with God's ways and God's word. We embrace the pain of surrender. Wasn't easy for Jesus to surrender in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he prayed and says, "God, not my will, but yours be done." Uh, he says, "He says, let this cup pass over me first. He didn't want to go to the cross in the, as a human, 
But he says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And he went to the cross and suffered the pain of surrender. And he did it, why? Because he knew that, that the price he would pay was for our good. And so, so we too must follow in his example. In First Peter, we're told to, in First Peter chapter 2, to follow in his example, to suffer as he suffered. And uh, some of us shy away from that. But if you want to, to impact the culture and change it, then you, you better start surrendering to God in those areas in your life that might bring you pain, but that ultimately will redeem your culture and bring change to your world. So how do we surrender to God? We call sin what he calls sin. We speak the truth and love even when we don't feel like it, even when it's not popular. We let God's word both form us and inform us. We embrace the pain of surrender. We get better at recognizing the root of every issue. The, the passage I read you in First John at the beginning, it says, uh, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eye, and the, lust, and the pride of life. Do you know that every issue in life that comes up falls into one of these three categories? Everything, every sinful issue, every desire that we have is going to, ultimately there's a tension between God's ways or then the ways of the world. And the ways of the world can boil, be boiled into the, the, what you see, what, you, what your flesh wants, what your eyes want, or the pride of life, the, the, that kind of sense of significance and elevating yourself. And so, so are you willing to, to have the honesty to look at every single situation and say, what is at the root of this issue? And a lot of times in our effort to, sur- to fit into the culture, what is at the root of that is the pride of life, is a desire to be popular and accepted and, and loved when we forget that God's love has already embraced us completely. We don't need the love of man. I mean, it's nice to, to love one another, but really it, it, uh, what, we shouldn't be looking to people to meet our need for love because God has already met it. And if, you don't under- if you're not feeling God's love in your life, then you need to meditate on the cross a little bit more and open God's word and let his truth go. You read verses like in Zephaniah 3.17 where he says that he's rejoicing over us and he's singing over us and dancing or he loves you god loves you so lastly how do we love without compromising so let me reread you that big idea surrendering to the culture might help you fit in but surrendering to god will change your world and redeem your culture who are you surrendering to you know are you surrendering to the world the culture or to god and then what in what areas think about in what areas do you need to surrender but i wanted to end with um how do we love without judgment or compromise. See, we err on one or the other. Either we're too harsh or we're too grace. You know, we err on the side of truth or love. And I think that ones who err on the side of truth sound too harsh. The ones who err on the side of love sound too, too, you know, loose and, you know, too cheap grace kind of thing. And I think there's just, you know, I think you've got to, well, I'll tell you, you got to pray, bottom line. The discernment of the Spirit comes through prayer, through filling your mind with God's Word. But, but, but just some practical things. Stay when it's easier not to. See, it's easier to bail at the harsh form of love that drops the truth bomb and leaves. Well, that, that doesn't help anybody. Stay when it's easier not to speak the truth, but stay. Be willing to roll up your sleeves and be there when the going gets tough. You might have to sign up for babysitting or cooking meals for the person that you're speaking the truth to because they're now on their own. I mean, stay when it's easier not to. Speak when it's easier not to. If you're, you're on the side of you know cheap grace, be willing to speak when it's easier not to. Give when it's easier not to. It will require your time, your money, your resources to give when it's easier not to. And then surround yourself with godly voices. You can't do this on your own. You cannot surrender to God and impact your culture on your own. You need godly voices in your life, and you need people to battle the spiritual battle with you through prayer. It takes rolling up your sleeves and getting on your knees and begging God to give you discernment, to give you wisdom, to provide His grace where you overspeak the truth harshly and to let his truth shine when you err on the side of comfort 
I don't want to say err on the side of love because usually it's err on the side of comfort. You just don't want to say anything that will put your friendship in jeopardy. You choose the things of the world over the things of the Lord. So, um, surrendering to the culture might help you fit in, but surrendering to God will change your world and redeem your culture. If you want to impact your culture, if your goal is the God-given goal of not just fitting into the culture and being so well-adjusted into it, but to change it, then it is time to surrender to the Lord and the things of the Lord, to call sin what God calls sin, to speak truth when it's time to speak truth, to stay put when it's necessary. And and whatever you do, keep directing people to Jesus. Just point them to Jesus. I tell people all the time, and what, what, I'm not sure how to do this. I'm not sure what to say. If you don't know what to say, just point them to Jesus. And the way to point them to Jesus is to point them to his word. And if they uh, open the word of God and start reading it, I guarantee you that God's spirit will move through God's word and, and change the hearts of the people towards him. So let us learn to love well. Let us learn to be in the culture, but not of it. And above all, let us be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we would actually be salt that has not lost its flavor in a world that is desperate for the truth. And you might not even know that they're desperate, but I'm telling you, our world is full of pain and need. And if we don't start acting and talking and living like Christians and loving like Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, then we will never impact our culture. And that's what we're still on the earth for. So I'm praying for us this week. I want love to hear from you. Send me an email, uh, lena at livingwithpower.org, and we'll be in touch in a couple of weeks. Okay? Bye-bye.